You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 684 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Monday evening into Tuesday morning, almost Christmas time here. And uh, happy holidays to everybody that's listening to the podcast. Thank you for joining us as always. Not too much stuff to get to on this podcast that is not game related. Of course, the Hawks lost by a three point margin up there in Cleveland tonight. Um, before the game started, obviously the attention was all on John Collins. Collins addressed the media for the first time since he got suspended. People don't really know this, but when a guy is suspended, as Collins was, he was not available to the media the entire time. So um, a couple of the reporters that were up there, Sarah Spencer, the ADC, and Chris Kirshner of The Athletic, asked a bunch of questions because they haven't had access to him in a long time. So that's kind of how this stuff works. I might have felt like overkill, but I understand completely why they did that because um, none of the questions that I had and other people had um, were able to get answered. And it's, it's different asking the player directly than it is to ask the team or um, the coach or you know front people on the record is what you want obviously when talking to a player so I want to get out in front of that a little bit on the podcast I was not in Cleveland so I did not hear all that stuff directly but uh, good reporting up there from Sarah and Chris so check out their stuff on Twitter and uh, of course their stories etc uh, in advance of the game nothing major changes in terms of the information there other than John Collins apparently did not appeal um, his, his suspension that was of course um, the immediate reaction was that his team was going to appeal and the Hawks were sort of staying out of it it was going to be an individual player appeal kind of thing and we never heard that it wasn't going to happen of course at some point and really the entire time you know the, the first day I told you on the podcast that it was wildly likely that any appeal would actually overturn the suspension and uh, people had some hope but apparently that, that never actually even happened so that kind of tells you the story about how unlikely it was going to be they, they didn't actually try it so that's the one piece of news that was actually kind of out there in advance of the game but regardless Collins came back in this game and played well so good to see him back on the court with the Hawks we'll talk more about basketball stuff as we go in here on the podcast uh, coming into the game the Hawks were actually originally underdogs in this game, and the line swung all the way to where the Hawks were favored. And it was the second time this season the Hawks were favored. The first time was against the Warriors at home in a game that the Hawks pretty much dominated. It was an awful game, but the Hawks did dominate that game. This time around, though, the Hawks were favored and did not get the victory on the road, um, despite the fact that they actually played, um, I would say, pretty decently offensively um, throughout the game. Um, shorthanded nature for the Cavs in this game without Larry Nance. And then Jordan Clarkson was traded about 10 minutes. Yes, 10 minutes before tip-off. He actually warmed up in the game for Cleveland and then was pulled in a deal for, for Dante Exum. So a little, a little bit of a weird night for Cleveland. Um, but alas, the Hawks were at full strength except for Evan Turner, who missed this game. That's two in a row for Turner. Not a huge loss. I'm not even sure he would have played here. So basically the Hawks were at full strength. And uh, the Cavs, by the way, with this win, have won three in a row. That's pretty surprising because they came in to uh, the stretch before that at 2-16. and 16. The Hawks have now lost 19 out of 21 games and eight games in a row. That's pretty unsightly, of course. And um, for a battle of the two worst defenses in the league, uh, always two of the three worst defenses in the league, the offenses were not, were not exactly prolific in the full game. The first half was definitely offense-based. The full game was actually pretty kind to the uh, defenses. It was probably not so much by the eyes, but there you go on that. Um, 
The Hawks went with a starting lineup that included John Collins, of course, at the power forward spot. That actually stuck with Bruno Fernando, who exited this game. Also, also Alex Lendon as well. Both those guys suffered injuries during the course of the game and then actually combined to play 16 minutes in this spot. But it was Young, Herder, Hunter, Collins, and Fernando, so they put Reddish back on the bench. Um, no, no, no surprise there. I, I thought it was a, a pretty big long shot that Collins would start at center. He did, he did play center a few different times in this game, but he was not going to start there, and uh, we'll talk about that as more as we, as we get going here. So... In the game itself, um, a, a kind of a rough start for Atlanta, we should say. Uh, an 11-2 run by the Cavs um, early in the first quarter after uh, did, Collins didn't sort of announce himself back with a, with a dunk in the opening minutes, but um, kind of uh, kind of uneven, I would say, for the most part. They uh, went to a uh, pretty early substitution, taking Collins out of the game, going back to Alex Lynn. It was Bembry and Reddish as the backup wings in this game. No Alan Crabb, a DNP for Alan Crabb. Pretty surprising in some respects. Not, not shocking either, though, because there's only four wings, and uh, they went with Bembry over him in this game. But a, a timeout by Lloyd Pierce at 31-21 to 21 after an extended run by Cleveland. Uh, the Hawks were getting up about one and a half points per possession in the first nine minutes. That's really, really bad, of course. And the, off, the, the defense was kind of what drew the ire of Pierce after the game. And basically any, any all the analysts that were watching this game were talking about how bad the Hawks defense was. Um, nationally, locally, Cleveland guys, Atlanta guys, everyone was having the same reaction about how bad Atlanta's defense was early in this game. The Hawks trailed by, by as many as 11 in the first quarter, trailed by 10 at the end of the, at the end of the first. By the way, it was the highest scoring um, first quarter of the season for the Cavs, and it was tied for the highest scoring quarter of the season for the Cavs. That's another thing that happened, of course, against the Knicks last week was that they were putting up sort of historic performances offensively. The Cavs were trying to match that here with a 139 offensive rating in the first quarter. Pretty ugly. The offense, though, did its part for Atlanta. 11 points each for Collins and Young in the first quarter, but the defense was definitely the uh, the negative story pretty much the entire game, especially in the first half. Second quarter was better. A 9-2 run by Atlanta to open things up um, with Young and Collins connecting on a patented pick-and-roll lob dunk to get back within six points. Then Trey Young, uh, actually, it was kind of the same play, honestly, except Young pulled up from three and made it, and suddenly it was a three-point game again. Then you had Alex Len roll an ankle. That was a big play in the game, honestly, because Len has been their best center by a pretty significant margin this season. And he was unavailable from that point forward. So with nine minutes to go in the second quarter, you lose Alex Len to what was called a left ankle sprain. Um, That actually allowed Damian Jones to play play for the first time in a while. But... uh I would say losing Len did have a part in this game. It wasn't it wasn't the reason that the Hawks lost necessarily, but it certainly would have helped if they had him for the last two and a half quarters. Uh, a big dunk by Bruno, Bruno Fernando, which I thought was worth pointing out in second quarter. No hesitation there, sort of just attacked the rim. He left the game later on. Actually, in the third quarter, Bruno got hit in the face by a, by a Kevin Love elbow. It was bleeding everywhere. It was really more than you would normally see in terms of blood on the, on the floor. He didn't return. The Hawks did say that he was available to return, but by the time that was actually stated, he had, he had he'd been sitting for such a long time. It was a long shot. He was going to come back in. He never actually did. And they released the fact that he actually got six stitches in his lip. So hopefully that's not a long-term thing for Bruno, but uh, he missed most of the second half of this game. So for about the last, I don't know, 20 two minutes of this game. The Hawks had one center. It was Damian Jones. Then they had John Collins, of course, who can play center. And then you have Vince Carter and Jabari Parker. So pretty pretty shorthanded in the front court for the entire second half. And that was uh, worth noting. Um, back to the first half, though. Real quickly here, um, a big quarter for DeAndre Hunter. He actually had, I believe, 14 yeah, fourteen points in the second quarter. He was pretty prolific, a bunch of jump shots that went in. The Hawks got, got back within two at one point in the latter portion of the first half, and uh, Collins was playing center a little bit already before they even actually had even more uh, absences there. But the offense was basically carried by three guys in the first half. 53 of the 64 points scored were for Young, 
Collins and uh, DeAndre Hunter. 14 in the quarter for Hunter, as I said. 18 points in the first half for John Collins on 12 shots. And then Trey Young had 18 and 6 on his own on good efficiency in the first half. The defense was better in the second quarter, but still pretty poor overall. The offense was pretty good. Um, I thought the defense, you know, throughout the night, we'll talk more about that at the end of the game, but it was it was a problem. Uh, the third quarter was better for Atlanta. Quite obviously, uh, it was probably the best quarter of the uh, game pretty comfortably. You would have to say a 10-0 run early on by the Hawks to uh, actually take a two-point lead after trailing by most of the game. At that point in time, it was capped by a dunk from DeAndre Hunter. Um, actually, a little bit later on, Reddish missed the dunk. Um, and actually got the re- He didn't get the rebound, but it was rebounded and kicked out to him for a three. And it seemed like the Hawks were getting all the breaks there for a while in the third quarter. They led by four points after a three by Vince Carter. And they even survived about a four-and-a-half-minute stint without Trey Young offensively. They were dead even during that time. That's usually a huge win for this Hawks team, particularly after how bad it was on Saturday whenever Young left the court. It was good to see them sort of hold steady in this game. But late in the quarter, it got a little bit off the rails a little bit. I would say Reddish had a bad stretch offensively. The defense was better in the third quarter overall, and they managed to get to the fourth quarter tied. Um, a super high-paced game, so that made the numbers look worse than they actually were defensively, but still some uh, up-and-down performances on the end of the floor overall. In the fourth quarter, though, the Hawks got down in a hurry. It was That was probably the biggest swing of the entire game was the early portion of the fourth quarter. Um, the Cavs went on a 12-2 run to open the quarter. The Hawks scored two points in five minutes and, 22, and 26 seconds. Uh, Pierce was actually asked about that after the game. He referenced the same thing happening in Brooklyn. It's been a problem for a while now for this Hawks team to have one, maybe two of these long, scoreless, or at least semi-scoreless stints in a game, and you just kind of lose the plot a little bit. Again, the offense was not the problem in this game, but for that stretch, they just could not score, and it wasn't like they were, didn't have Young on the floor. It was just the regular guys not scoring. A 12-2 run, as I said, to have the Cavs go up by 10 points. Herter then hit a 3 to stop the bleeding, but then Cleveland actually scored 5 points in a row after that, so it was an extended 17-5 run to go up by 12 points. There was a bad sequence by Trey Young where he turned the ball over, didn't get it back, and then did not, didn't get back on defense, I should say, and then Cleveland scored again. Um, then he came, actually came off the floor at that point in time after a timeout and sat for a while. The... Um, Cavs went by as many as 14 points. Uh, then Herter and Collins hit back-to-back threes to get back within 10. That was a huge swing. Then, though, the Cavs got up by 14 points with about three minutes to go. It seemed like it was all but over. They brought Trey Young back in, um, down 14, and the Hawks suddenly kind of found their offense, which is good to see. Um, but obviously too little too late, as you, if you, as you already know the final score of this contest. But the Hawks had a 10-0 run in about 80 seconds to cut the lead from 14 down to 4 with some Big-time help from Cleveland, who basically just melted down. That was a really bad performance from the Cavs in the last three minutes of this game. Um, bunch of turnovers, a big three by Trey Young to get, to get within eight, then another one by Herter to get back to get it down to five, and then Hunter made a free throw to get it down to four. Um, the Cavs finally scored with Darius Garland into the rim, go up by six points, but then Trey hit another three to get, back, to get the score back to 121 to 118. Then a brutal Cavs turnover again, but... Probably the worst shot of, this, of the entire run was this um, Trey Young missing a forced step back that he missed that one down three. The um, Cavs get the rebound. The Hawks did a good job, though, getting a stop. They elected not to foul with about a five-second differential between the shot clock and the game clock. That proved to be the right move they, because they got the stop. If they had given up a point there, it would have been controversial, I'm sure, but ended up working out for them because they got the ball back down three with 5.1 seconds to go, a side out of bounds there. Uh, Trey Young threw the ball in um, on the side out of bounds, which I guess was controversial. 
I didn't hate that because he got the ball back. That was the whole point. Um, Lloyd Pierce was asked after the game about why he inbounded the ball, why Trey Young inbounded the ball, and his, his response was basically that they didn't. They were afraid that Young was going to get denied, and they wanted to have the ball in his hands, which I understand. So they ran a play to get the ball back in Young in Young's hands. It wasn't a great action, I didn't think. It wasn't a fantastic play. It wasn't a great shot attempt. But at the end of the day, you're down three with five seconds to go. You're not guaranteed anything, and you you, you got the ball in your hand in the, in the hands of your best player. He got a shot up at the rim. It wasn't the best look. It also wasn't the worst look in the world. That's one he is capable of making. He missed it. It was short, and the Hawks lose the game at that point in time. But I was not outraged by the end of the game. Um, you know, obviously the the bigger problem was getting down 14 and the whole rest of the fourth quarter. Um, the Hawks were just terrible for about 10 minutes in the fourth quarter, and the last two and a half minutes were very good. But until then, it was a mess, and that was the bigger portion of the problem, not not the final possession in which Trey got, got actually got a shot up, even though it was not a great look necessarily. So, all that to say, um, you know, big picture stuff in this game. The offense was not fantastic, but four guys scored 99 points. That's usually a good recipe to win. Um, everybody else struggled, I would say. We'll come back to that later on the individual portion of the program. But offensively, it was not really the problem in this game. Defensively, though. It was a mixed bag. I will say the numbers again do not look do not look as bad because of the fast pace. It was only a 107 defensive rating. That's actually far better than Atlanta's baseline number. But Cleveland helped them quite a bit at the end of the game, turning the ball over with regularity. The number was definitely much worse before that. And I think the body for the body of the game, probably the first 44 minutes or so, the defense was actually pretty bad in this game. Um, Lloyd Pierce said after the game, I'm quoting now from Lloyd, "Our ability to contain the basketball was just awful tonight." End quote. He lamented the defense, the individual defensive effort, the entire post-game press conference. Honestly, I talked about allowing penetration in one-on-one settings. He referenced personal pride a few times. He said, and I'm quoting again now: "I don't know how you make a guy mentally tougher." End quote. Um, the first thing when he was actually asked by Chris Kirchner of the Athletic about Trey Young sitting for a long time in the fourth quarter until about three-minute mark, um, Pierce. The first thing he said was, and I'm quoting now: "We needed to get stops." End quote. Now, Pierce did go on to soften the answer up and talk about how the how Young was carrying a big load, etc. But that was I thought it was pretty telling that that was the first thing he said about having Trey Young off the court. Obviously, as we saw late in this game and as we see all the time, Trey is the offensive engine of this team and they have to be able to score. You know, with him on the court, he's he's kind of the only guy that creates for others in the way that he can and, and of course scores on his own. So obviously offensively they need him. But defensively, I'll say this now, and we'll probably come back to this a little bit later on the individual part, but Trey's defense was really bad in this game. And not just by his standards, just kind of just... It was bad by anyone's standards. It was bad by his standards. It was just bad overall. And again, I've made every explanation on this podcast about how much work he's having to do offensively and how that gives him a bit of a pass defensively. But in this game, it was notably bad throughout, really in the first quarter and the first half. It wasn't just like he got worn down. It was the entire game. So maybe that has something to do with what, 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 what was said. He was far from alone, by the way. It was not just Trey Young. It was bad defensively in this game. I think basically everyone on the perimeter outside of maybe Reddish and a little bit of Hunter was bad defensively. Everybody else was bad. Even memory was kind of a rough night for him defensively. So Lots of weird stuff there, but um, you know, it was pretty clear that Pierce was not happy with, with the defense after the game, with good reason, even if the numbers were um, better than you might think that they were. So, all that to say, the Hawks did what they do. Um, yeah, I mean, they lost this game by three points. Is that a bad loss? Yeah, maybe. I mean, they they didn't play terribly, and you know, coming into the game, they were one point favorites or one and a half point favorites at the close, and you lose by three. Like, should they have won this game? Were they were they the more talented team? They're probably more talented than the Caps, 
I will say that, but you're playing on the road against a team that has been playing a little bit better recently. I'm not going to tell you this is some terrible loss. Like, it's not a good loss. It's not a great performance, but compare this one to the Knicks or the collapse in Brooklyn, and this looks a little bit better than that. I think if this happened a couple weeks ago, just sort of in a vacuum, and wasn't the eighth straight loss in a 19 out of 21, it wouldn't look so bad. It just is a game that the Hawks could have won if they had just showed up in the fourth quarter, and they just kind of didn't for the first nine and a half minutes or so. So, all that to say, we will come back, talk about the individual portion of the podcast talking about all the players that played in this game etc etc but uh hold on tight we have a word from our sponsors we'll be right back after this all right and we're back talking about the individual players in this game we will go to the bench first um and it was a mixed bag of mostly negatives on the bench um the guy who i thought was probably the best overall i don't even know where i would go with this i mean defensively it was clearly cam reddish and the hawks were the best of um in terms of their actual team performance with him on the floor in this game. Seven points for Cam on two of seven from the floor, uh, three assists, and a, re- and a rebound, a steal, a block shot, and a turnover. I thought offensively, he had one really bad stretch of about three minutes where he just couldn't do anything right off offensively, but the rest of the game wasn't so bad. And defensively, again, I thought he was pretty good defensively. I don't want to pile on him. I did send a tweet that was a frustration kind of thing about his offense because it was so bad in that moment. But, you know... It's kind of ups and downs with him. We know about his offense. Nothing new on this podcast about Cam's offense versus defense splits. But the defense actually was pretty good, and he helped him in that way. Played 23 minutes. Nobody else on the bench played more than 20. So not a, not an awful night for by Cam standards by any means. Um, elsewhere, though, everybody else I would say was probably below average. Jabari Parker played 15 minutes in this game. And that isn't that crazy on the surface because, of course, John Collins is back. Um, but... Jabari Parker played 15 minutes in a game where Alex Lynn played six minutes and his starting center, Bruce Fernando, played 10 minutes and Collins played center for a lot of time in this game and Parker didn't play much. And it's because of his defense. Um, he had one good stretch offensively in the first half. I think he had four points in about a minute or he was flying around a little bit on the offensive end of the floor. But aside from that, it was really bad from Jabari. I think defensively, he was only eclipsed by Young in this game about being bad. And uh, offensively, just didn't give them all that much. I think his effort level has been waning a little bit and what I can see as well. So, you know, no rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks, just nothing, two turnovers. Jabari was not good. And if that's the Jabari that the Hawks are going to get, they're in some trouble because they need his punch off the bench and just wasn't there in this game. Alex Lynn, you know, small sample size, only played six minutes before he got hurt, didn't score, only took one shot, two rebounds, an assist, and a block shot, had two turnovers, and one of them was a traveling violation that I remember off the top of my head when he was actually open and probably should should have just shot it. I don't know. Weird spot for Alex Lynn, but hopefully the ankle is okay. Uh, It didn't look great. It's probably just just a sprain. We'll see how long that keeps him out, but the Hawks need him in a bad way. Damian Jones, nine minutes, only took one shot. Hadn't played in a while. It kind of showed a little bit in this game. He wasn't terrible. Had some nice defensive moments, actually, briefly in his time. Was minus six in his nine minutes. Um, you know, nothing really to be said about Damian Jones's play. Vince Carter played 15 minutes. He played, played some crunch time because the Hawks, wanted, wanted, I presume, wanted to have a shooting on the floor late in the game. Three points, five rebounds, and an assist, and a block shot, actually, on Kevin Love in the first half. But Vince, you know, actually late. I had no problem with him playing because they came out him, he's on the he's on the court, of course, with the last play of the game down three. But with Jabari struggling and without Alan Crabb playing at all in the game, you're not going to put Alan Crabb on the floor ice cold. And you're down three. You absolutely need a three in that spot. Vince's Vince playing there is totally fine. Um, if Len's available, it's probably should be Len because Len can kind of shoot a little bit and he, and he sets a better screen. He's just bigger. But given that they didn't have Fernando or Len and they didn't have Crabb available really. And then Parker is not a shooter in that way. Like they went with Young, Herter, Hunter, Carter, and Collins. 
And I have no problem with that. I mean, Carter's a better shooter than Cam Reddish. You can you can you could certainly tell me that you want Cam on the court there over Vince. I'm okay with that if you say that. But you know, not great options. So I had no problem with Vince playing the last possession. People were mad, people were mad about that. I was not because you need a three and Vince can shoot. So whatever. Um, alas, though, he was not fantastic in this game. You know, he probably shouldn't be playing 15 minutes. But I think it was uh, clear that they actually just went with him over Jabari, which isn't outrageous. I mean, Jabari's a better player, but Jabari was not good in this game. So I'll leave it there. And finally, uh, Bembry, one-shot attempt in 19 minutes. It was actually a team worst, minus 13. Did have five rebounds and a, uh, sorry, two assists and a steal. It was kind of a Bembry performance. A lot of uh, a couple of highs with some creation defensively and uh, a couple of lows offensively. We're just not going to give them a whole lot there. So not great, not awful, but not good either. Uh, to the starting lineup, four guys played well. Bruno Fernando was the fifth and played 10 minutes. We actually didn't think Bruno was bad. Uh, two points, two rebounds, two assists, and two turnovers for Bruno in 10 minutes. You know, he just didn't do a whole lot and then, of course, had the injury. So I'm going to leave sort of a DNP, sorry, sort of, I shouldn't say DNP, incomplete there for, for Bruno. Um, Kevin Herter was not great, but he heated up late and they needed that. So I thought, you know, he had 19 points in 32 minutes. I thought he was pretty average, maybe even a little bit worse than that in the first half and then just heated up in a big way after the half, which they absolutely needed again. Um, his shooting was huge. He hit five threes. That's a season high for Kevin. So it was 19 points and three steals. So second half of this game was some of Herter's best work this season. Um, the first half, not so much, but they needed it, and I thought he played well, at least reasonably well, on the whole, even though his defense was not fantastic. I think Herter is underrated defensively by some people, but he was not great in this game defensively. Um, DeAndre Hunter had the one good quarter in the second, had 14, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, 14 points in that second quarter. 23 points overall for the game, though, and was inconsistent. Um, 1 of 7 from 3. He's got to make some more shots than that, but the encouraging news is that he was 9 of 12 on 2s. That's a good thing. Defensively, it was not his best work, necessarily, but not his worst either. 39 minutes actually played more minutes than anybody on the team, which is noteworthy. Um, I didn't think he was bad. It just wasn't. It probably wasn't as good as the 23 points would tell you, but the stretch in the second quarter was big. John Collins, good to see him back, obviously. He makes a lot of things better for the Hawks, and in his 35 minutes on the floor, the Hawks were plus 5. So, that tells you a lot. John fixes a lot of things. I, I still want to see him play with Alex Len a little bit more, but obviously Len's injury prevented that in this game. But Collins is the best center, the best center, the best power forward. He's the best everything on the front court for the Hawks, and he showed that in this game. There's a little bit of rust early on, I thought, and defensively he was not back to his early season levels. But when he haven't played so long, I totally understand that. And offensively, his activity was huge. Lloyd Pierce praised that, just having him on the floor. Um, I think he used the words John being John at one point, which is usually a good thing. You know, he, he loves John Collins, and it's pretty clear that all the stuff that he brings was huge for the Hawks in this game, and the Hawks are just better with John Collins on the floor. And then lastly, Trey Young, 30 points, 11 assists, 4 steals, 6 rebounds for Trey in 36 minutes. He was reasonably efficient, 9 of 21, 5 of 14 from 3, 7 of 9 from the free throw line. Not not crazy good efficiency, but still very solid. Um, and offensively, he was good in this game. Like, full stop good. Obviously, the 30 and 11 speaks for itself, but the 6 rebounds had 4 steals. He was at least pretty active in that way. Again, his defense was, I thought, even bad for him. It was really bad, especially in the first half. He was getting carved up by Sexton and Garland off the dribble. Um, Pierce talked about individual defense more than once. It was not He was not talking about Young specifically, but he certainly falls into that category in terms of the um, allowing penetration and not stopping the ball and not putting up resistance in this game. The effort level was very low for Trey, for Trey defensively. That's going to happen. Again, I've said this before. I've already said it on this podcast, but I'll say it one more time now. The offensive workload that he is carrying – is immense, so he gets a pass sometimes on defense, but in this game, it was bad, and uh, it can't be that bad. There's a difference between really, really bad where he was last year and where he could be, and that's a big difference, and tonight he was back where he was last year, just kind of being, you know, bottom of the 
entire league defensively kind of level. And the Hawks, you know, they can live with that when he's awesome on offense, but at the end of the day, he's got to be better than that for them to be uh, winning a winning basketball team. And he was not that kind of player defensively in this game, even though, even though he was awesome offensively. And clearly, the Hawks needed him to score 118 points. So, all that to say. The Hawks are now off for three days um, for the Christmas holiday. Um, this, you know, even when the Hawks won 60 games, they did not have a game on Christmas Day because this is the Hawks. Um, I think with Trey Young in the fold, if the Hawks get good, they might actually have a chance to play on Christmas Day. But for now, three days off. Uh, nobody in the whole league plays Christmas Eve. And then Atlanta's off on Wednesday and Thursday before they host the Milwaukee Bucks. And by the way, the Milwaukee Bucks are the best team in the league. So that's not a great team to be facing. Um Admittedly, the Hawks will be on a full rest. That's good. They'll be playing at home. That's good. They'll have John Collins. That's good. And they've given Milwaukee a little bit more fits than you might remember in recent days. They've been better against the Bucks than some teams. But still, that's an uphill battle. Um, Projection-wise, they'll be certainly projected to lose that game by a substantial margin. They could certainly win it if they hang around and play, best, play their best possible game. But right now, the Hawks have lost 8 in a row. They've lost 19 of 21, and they're 6-25 and 25 on the season that is bad, and hopefully it will improve in the near future. Because after the game on Thursday, thir- sorry, Friday against the Bucks, they play the uh, Bulls in a back-to-back on Saturday with road travel. They have to go from Atlanta to Chicago back-to-back. That's the second time this season they've had to go to Chicago on a back-to-back. It's brutal, and we'll talk more about that later on. Um, I might have a podcast, maybe have a new podcast between now and the game on Friday, but no promises because this is the one time pretty much until the All-Star break that we actually have a, a long break and it's a holiday and I might just punt. We'll see how that feels. If I can find a guest, I have one iron in the fire on a guest. If I can get that, get that, get that person to talk to me in the next couple of days, I will do a podcast. But um, you have to forgive me if there's no new content between now and Friday. I apologize, but I'll cover I'll cover both nights of the back-to-back and make up for it um, next weekend. But happy holidays to everybody. Please subscribe to the podcast. One more time, please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend or two or three about the show. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. And follow my work, if you choose to do so, at PeacetreeHoops.com, as well as on this podcast. And uh, yeah, that'll do it. Enjoy it, and uh, at the very least, we will see everybody on Friday night.